So good morning Life Church Bath, my name's Dave Kingswood and I work for a charity called Home for Good here in Baines, along with the Genesis Trust and Baines Council. Now I love the fact that you guys are talking justice in your church at the moment and I want to share a bit with you today about fostering and adoption as one way that you can connect and serve the most vulnerable kids in our society. So to start off I want to give you a little bit of context. At the end of 2019, the Department of Education released the annual figures for England saying that 109 kids a day were coming into our care system. To break that down, that means a kid is coming into foster care every 15 minutes in the UK. In addition to that, the fostering press are saying that we need around 8,600 new foster carers needed in the next year alone. And nearly 3,000 children of those are waiting for adoption they haven't been matched with anyone yet and nearly 40% of those kids have been waiting 18 months or more. Now alongside this a report was released by Action for Children stating that 85% of UK adults were not interested in fostering in the UK. Now I don't know what those numbers do to you but they deeply affect me as I think about kids and young people who are being ripped from a really difficult place into a complete unknown. And as believers, I think as we think about social justice, we've got a real opportunity here to speak into this issue. And so I want to pose a question to you. What if the church could be known for bringing these kids into loving homes? Myself, my wife, my two birth kids started fostering around 11 years ago. And after a few months of waiting, our first foster daughter came into our home. She was avoidant. She was clearly traumatised by stuff that had happened in the past and she was frightened at the prospect of living with another family. But we knew we could help her, so we did. And over the next three and a half years, our family and our church loved her through highs and lows. And we learned what it meant to choose love rather than just do it. I remember one day we were encouraged on a training course to ask a question and it was a really weird question, but it was this. What do you value in your relationship with me? And we were encouraged to go away and ask someone that. Firstly, I tried it on my son who looked at me and went, Dad, have you been on a course? And then I asked our foster daughter, Lisa, and within an hour she'd written back and she said this, Firstly, you are there if I ever worry about something. You're there to help. Secondly, you look out for me. Thirdly, I can trust you with a lot of stuff. Fourth, you can love me when I'm really angry. And five, you give me good quality food, which I love. Now this might not mean a lot to you, but I still can't read it without filling up with emotion. You see, the young lady I'm talking about comes from a place where dissociation and neglect were her life. And in this set of answers, all the things that I take for granted in my day-to-day -day relationships with my kids tells me about how she was really feeling about me and about our home. You see, for her, being loved when she was angry was new, before she would get beaten for that, before she didn't have anyone looking out for her, so she had to go it alone, before she didn't know if a meal was coming or not. And these simple things that we take for granted are not everybody's story. And so I want to challenge you. What if your church, what if Life Church could be known for making sure that no kid was left without a loving home? And what if you could be part of that? What if your legacy is one where a young person looks at you and says that it was your love and care that changed everything for them? 
What if the network of people around you could support you and a young person so that they can relearn what love really looks like? What if you could give a child a home where they could be a child again? One where they don't have to feel scared of domestic violence anymore. One where they can slowly learn that there will be a meal waiting for them rather than having to find it themselves. One where they can learn that they are worth loving and deserve a fair shot at life. I really believe that the church has got so much to say here and that a group of people who look at a kid who believes that they are worthless can start the job of rebuilding and reminding them of their worth. Do you know what that means to a kid from one of these backgrounds? It can literally change everything. So brothers and sisters, I think this is a really simple call from heaven. And this is maybe what is being encapsulated when James says religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress. Home for Good was set up for a really simple reason and it was to challenge the church into stepping into the gap for the most vulnerable kids in our society and to equip and resource the church to provide loving environments so that kids can thrive again. You know, when the, church, uh, when the charity started, there were some really simple maths to understand. At the time, there were about 15,000 kids waiting for a loving home. But do you know what? There are at least 15,000 churches. It doesn't take much working out, does it? After three and a half years, Lisa had to leave our care due to being too violent. And you know what? It, it broke our hearts and we didn't know if we were going to see her again. But just a few months afterwards, I was stood in church chatting to a friend and I felt these two arms grab me from behind and there she was. And do you know what? I don't think she missed a Sunday after that. And at the end of 2018, we had the privilege of her speaking from the front in church. And she spoke about how much the Lord had helped her, about we as a family who had loved and still do love her and how the church had never given up on her. And she was baptised that morning. As I've said, I'm not saying that this is an easy life, far from it. In fact, it might be the most difficult thing you've ever done. Helping someone who has been hurt in some of these ways can push you to the edge. But with network and love around you, I want to say it is worth it. This is about helping someone rediscover who God has called them to be. This is about the hands and feet of Jesus working through you. This is about identity and family. This is about being a home for good. Lisa's 21 now, and we still chat really regularly. She still does loads of stuff that still makes my eyes roll, but I'll tell you one thing. She calls me dad. Now, I'd love to chat to you about getting involved with fostering and adoption, or how I could resource your church. Do you know in the Baines area, we need less than 10 new carers to make sure no child is waiting for a loving home? Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could meet that need and provide environments that the most vulnerable kids can thrive in. What a beacon of hope that would be to the rest of our country to say that God's church stood up and made sure that kids had homes. What a testimony to God's work that would be. You know, I can't wait to hear from you and I'm looking forward to working with your leaders as we get into this next. So if you'd like to talk this through with me, please contact me at Bath Area at homeforgood.org.uk or call me on 07533 978 055. Thanks for having me.
So Hidden Voices is an initiative of the Diocese of Bath and Wells um, linked to the Clure Initiative, which is the Church of England's national response on modern slavery. Um, we've set up uh, several groups already, Hidden Voices groups, which we thought originally would cover quite large areas, but in practice they've, they've worked in very fairly small localities and people have really got involved in the issue. In the groups they learn how to detect modern slavery, talk to other people about it, and then they action plan what they're going to do in their communities. One of the key things in, modern, in, in uh, Hidden Voices is actually looking at church projects and how we can best protect them from slavery. Uh, we're calling it slavery proofing. This particularly applies to things like drop-ins, homeless shelters and that kind of thing where often we have, have had experience, not locally but more in, uh, in other parts of the country, where slavers are actually um, trying to find people to recruit in those kind of places where people are very vulnerable. It also applies to things like cuckooing, which is the, in, in, drug, in the drug world, county lines, people who are vulnerable, who, who might gain, go to a cafe uh, that the church runs is then befriended by someone and that ends up their, their flat getting taken over the drug trade. So it's, it covers quite a, quite a wide area, the work of Hidden Voices. And it links very closely in with the police and others. We often on the trainings have a police or a, or a local authority person come and talk about the work they're doing on modern slavery to try and get the church working with the local, local government or the police. Well, you, you, can, you can tell that Bath is, is the largest place we deal with, and it's quite important. In, the, in, the, in April to 19 to April 20, we had, there were seven identified people who went into what's called the National Referral Mechanism, the government support system. But we typically think that 90% of people who are in modern slavery in a particular area don't go into that system. And what we're after is finding how we can support those people. So one of the developments we're taking now is to do something called victim support. And that, with referrals from other agencies, but also through church projects, we're hoping to actually support people out of slavery. That requires quite a few different people. Some people with, with deep pastoral skills, people who can uh, come alongside someone and actually befriend them and take them through the process of recovery and uh, finding new ways in which to take their life forward. It may be for quite long term, but in some cases we might only be dealing with people for a few days while they think about what they want to do. They may want to go into the national government, the government system, or they may want to do something else. Quite a lot of people to move on simply need a new job and a place to live that's free from slavery and means that they can rebuild their lives. Other people are sometimes severely traumatised. We're unlikely to be dealing with the very severe cases, but there, there, there will be a whole range. Our experience to date is there's a lot of exploitation, which is short of slavery, but people who are being paid very little or having to work excessively long hours or are kept in accommodation which is completely inadequate and being overcharged for that accommodation. All those kind of issues are being dealt with by victim, by victim support project. But there are other roles. There's that we need some people to do project support, so that's being, being part of the phone team who can respond to referrals coming in. We're working with National Victim Support who've helped us by providing their 24-7 helpline for the project. So anyone can call any time of the day, but calls then need to be processed by our group and we'd like people to help with the phone, phone thing. We also need people who can transport people around, who don't need to get involved with the day-to-day day with, the, with the victims of modern slavery, but will help them get to accommodation or get to appointments. Longer term, we're looking for mentors because we think one of the ways out of this is for people to find work. And we've signed up 
to something called Bright Futures, which is part of the, has been supported by the co-op, and that's to get work placements for victims of modern, former victims of modern slavery. So if you think you can help in any way, please do get in touch with us. And if you'd like to join the, the Hidden Voices group, which will be starting in the autumn in Bath, please let us know. It may be online, it may be face-to-face, -face, but we would like to start a, a local group in Bath. So please be in touch. Thanks. Good morning Life Church. my name is Alison Todd, I'm from Mercy in Action and I've been asked to talk to you this morning a little about what we do and especially what we do here in Bath. 18 months ago we were asked by Fair Share Southwest, which is a charity passing on food that would otherwise go to landfill, to set up a pilot food pantry in Bath. A pantry is a club for people who can't afford food and they pay £3 a week and they come and get their food each week. So we started that really slowly. We had just a handful of people. By Christmas of 2019 we had 30 families come in. And then of course lockdown came in March and suddenly we went from 40 families up to 125 households. That's been quite a challenge things are settling down again now and we're back down to around around 100 households of those 80 would be families with children. Food insecurity is caused by a number of things. Of course it's high in the news all the time now but it could be unemployment, it could just be your wages not lasting until the end of the month. A lot is families with children with additional needs or mum and dad are ill um, there's a whole host of things, especially during lockdown. Life has been really hard and with job losses increasing, it's not going to go away in the near future. Our members know that the food they receive each week would otherwise have gone to landfill. We're not talking end of day McDonald's, we're talking about thousands of tonnes of food that's no longer required by the major supermarkets, goes to the landfill every single year. We all know how important food is as well. Nutritionally, we need it. Our kids need it. Food is important for their growth, for their um, ability to concentrate at school. And children who are well fed will do better at school. And it's one way to move out of the poverty trap. People are poor for many, many reasons. But being born into poverty increases your chance of never ever rising out of poverty. And if we can help families with food, then the money they would have spent on food can go towards other things. I used to think that things like tin potatoes were simply for Bible week, something to fill up your kids at lunchtime in between meetings. And my idea of a very cheap, nutritious meal was jacket potatoes and baked beans. Yep, do that for lunch in the holidays, feed the children. When I've suggested that to my families, they've said, do you know how long I need my cooker on for to do that? I don't have the credit on my electric or my gas to do jacket potatoes. Have you got any tinned potatoes? I can cook them more quickly. That was a real eye-opener to me as I embarked on this journey of food that otherwise gets wasted and what I can give to families to really help them in a place that they need the help. So they do need quite a lot of convenience food 
One of my mums came in recently and said, have you got a saucepan? My only saucepan has just burnt. One saucepan, that changes how you cook. One saucepan, maybe no cooker, maybe just a microwave. We're always looking at how we can help families to stay healthy and you make the most of what we've got, but bearing in mind they can't do fancy meals. There are those that can and do cook from scratch, of course. Whilst not every day can be a feast day, I believe that food is really important. And my scripture today is 1 John 1. No, it's not. <laughs> it's 1 John 3 verse 1. And I'm just going to read that. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God. When I became a Christian when I was 15, I never heard a word like lavish in the church. I heard sanctification, righteousness, and words like lavish, that wasn't, wasn't in the vocabulary at all. But lavish means extravagant. It means spending more than you ought to repeatedly. And we know that God did that when he sent Jesus. But everything about Jesus was lavish. The way he healed people, the way he spoke to people, turning water into the finest wine, it was lavish. And so we've picked that up as a bit of a mantra for us here. Let's do it lavishly. Let's love people lavishly. Let them have the very best of what we've got. I can't help them with all their problems. Some of them tell me things that are shocking. And all I can say at the end of it is, I'm so sorry, I've got some steaks. Can I give you some steaks this week? And they'll go, oh yeah, actually that would really help. <laughs> or oh, I've got a box of chocolates. And during lockdown, we would text all our families before deliveries and say, is there anything you especially need? And one of the refugee families, the mum came back to me and in broken English had written, please send chocolate. <laughs> and we needed chocolate during lockdown, didn't we? And we were able to send her chocolate. And actually, I wrote it on her form. So every week, she and her little girl stuck in their flat in Snow Hill, not getting out for five months had chocolate to look forward to. It's not much, but it helped them. One of the biggest causes of food poverty is inequality, is being born into poverty. And it's something we encountered 25 years ago, actually almost to the day when we were out in the Philippines and we met five, 10 year old boys who hadn't eaten for several days. And we decided there and then to give ourselves to helping those children and subsequent generations of children move on from poverty. And we've been able to see that. I only had a vision for the Philippines. I had no interest in what was going on in Bath, where I've lived now for 35 years. And it was only really two years ago when we started the Petra Houses, which is supported living for young women who are pregnant or have got babies who are facing homelessness, that I started to see the level of need in Bath. There are lots of people in poverty in Bath, but they're hidden. They're hidden in Twerton and Whiteway and Snow Hill and other places around the city. They're hidden in bed and breakfast, in 
in family homes. They are all over this city and the problem is increasing. There is also an increase in the number of agencies working with people in poverty in Bath and it's a credit to the church that many of those are faith organisations and churches who are plugging the gap that otherwise would go, would be left. I had no vision for Bath mainly because I was born into poverty myself. Um, my father left when I was quite young, my mum was left with four children back in the days when uh, state benefits were very, very low. I knew hunger as a child, I knew about being cold, I knew about not having clothes to go to school in and as I grew up I decided I would move as far away from poverty as I possibly could and I think that's why I didn't want to know about poverty on my own doorstep but through getting involved with the pantry and Petra I've discovered that the poor actually they're my people they're where I belong, not that I need to be poor, because poverty is a curse. Involuntary poverty is a curse. It's fine if God's called you to a life of poverty, but he doesn't do that very much because it's not his heart. And I wanted out of that curse, but I've discovered that I belong with those people. And that's where I know the presence of God. It's where I know his love. It's where I feel him closest. And it's not that it's easy. Things are never easy, are they? People are difficult, people are pushy, people let us down. But we've decided that we will be there for people. And if we can't offer to pray for them always. We can occasionally. It's not always appropriate or wise for us to do that. But we're a listening ear. We can pass them on to other agencies. I'd like to tell you, a couple of stories about our hundred families. One single dad, I call him Peter, he's got sole custody of three children and he was referred to us and after about six months he said, you know, before I had this food I used to buy the absolute cheapest food I could. Most of it needed no preparation. My kids were always ill. We never sat at the table to eat. Six months on I've become a good cook. My children have eaten food that they've never tried before and I can see that they're healthier. And that's a win. That's what we want because it's improved their quality of life. Another dad uh, lives with his wife. He's the carer. They've got two small children and he came and asked to go on our books. And at the time I just really didn't have enough food to go round. And so I had to say, I'll put you on the waiting list and I'll contact you. And he would come every single week and say, is there space yet? And eventually I said, yeah, there's space now. You can come on our books. And he actually cried. Um, he comes most weeks, he takes food home. And then one week he said, do you have a table and chairs by any chance? We don't, we don't have a table and chairs in our flat. We've never sat up to the table for a meal. And I just suddenly thought it'd be nice to. And we were able to get him a table and chairs. I didn't have a driver around the day that I got them. So he did four trips walking from where we are on the Lower Bristol Road up to his home in Twerton, carrying the different parts of the table and chairs for his family. And the next week he said, 
it's just given us such joy to see the children sitting at the table doing some colouring in and we now sit every single meal at the table and we talk to each other and we cook together and our life has changed all because of a table and chairs and enough food. I decided back in March during lockdown that I wouldn't refuse a referral and that I wouldn't refuse any food I was given. Today I've just taken in a huge bag of fresh kale that's been picked from the, the gardens of a local hotel. I don't know what my families will make of it, but I know that it will all go over the next few days to them. We get food in apart from Fair Share, Marks and Spencers, Morrisons, Waitrose, numerous little shops when they've got an overrun of food, individuals bring us food. But I have lots of food, but I know there are plenty more families that need feeding in this city and there's plenty more to do. And if you'd like to come and help us in any way, we'd love to have you. Please pray for us as we continue this. And I just want to say thank you for this opportunity this morning. <laughs>